You're listening to the Louisiana Literature Podcast. I'm Pike Malinowski. Imagine this. You've published 50 academic books, all of which have been translated into several languages, and you have a full professorship waiting for you. You kind of have it all. So what do you do? For the late Italian novelist Umberto Eco, there were a couple of options. Either you, like Rimbaud, escape to Africa to sell guns, or you escape with the Cuban ballerina, or you write a novel to do something different. For Umberto Eco, writing a novel was a process of world-building. He carefully created the most detailed scenery possible. Then he let the characters out and simply followed them. First, there is a world. In this world, certain things happen, and your language has to follow. In this interview from 2015, Echo told us that while he didn't start writing novels until he was 48, he had been narrating all along. One of my great friends was Roland Barthes, the died with the remorse that he didn't write a novel. And he was wrong because all his essays were narratively fantastic and beautiful. Okay. On the contrary, I realized that even though I started writing novels at the, for the age of 48, I was always narrating. Even my academic papers had the form of a narration. So I satisfied the sort of narrative impulse in two ways. By giving a narrative form to my researches and telling stories to my children. Then probably I started writing a real novel when my children were too old to do to listen to my stories. I always had this pleasure in telling stories. Then when I was students, I wrote many texts for um, musicals. Uh, so it was another way to, 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 tell, to tell stories, but without giving too much importance to them. It was uh, an amusement. What then did, did decide that now you had to write novels? A very provocative answer I give sometimes because I am disturbed by this question. It happens when you feel that you haven't to piss and you have to, to, to run to the toilet. <laughs> it happened that way. A friend of mine, a young lady, who was working for a small publisher, went once to, to, to me and said, we want to start a series of short detection stories written not by writers, but by sociologists, politicians. Uh, do you want to do that? I said, no. First of all, because I am convinced uh, I am unable to write dialogues. Second, if I had to write a detection story, it would be 500 pages long and take place in a medieval monastery. And then she said, no, it's not uh, what I look at. Ciao, ciao, ciao. I went home 
And I started to write a list of names of monks. It means that probably there was something circulating in my bellies without I was conscious of it. Otherwise, otherwise I, could, I could have given another answer. To, to, but it was unconscious. There was something. Third explanation. One is to peace, the other is eh? third. At that point, I finally, since uh, some years, had my university chair, full professorship. I had published uh, 50 books. Uh, I was translated already in English, in French, and that. So either you, like Rimbaud, escaped to Africa to sell guns, or you escape with the Cuban ballerina, or you write a novel to do something different. <laughs> the real surprise and the real pleasure was that uh, writing doesn't mean to take a pen and to trace uh, alphabetic car. It's starting a research. For the name of the rose, the research was very short, no more than two years, because it was about Middle Ages, and I had studied and written about But with the pendulum, it took eight years. And for the other novel, six years per novel. And that is the fascinating aspect of telling a story, to create a world, a world in which my character then could move with ease. That is the most uh, fascinating part of the story, to, to stay six years in which nobody knows what you are doing, but everything you are doing, even to drink a coffee, can give you an idea uh, about, uh, about the story. Then the writing, when comes, is pretty felicitous. But, okay, then you have moments in which you need to close everything in your drawer and to and to stay 15 days doing something else, okay, but that's natural. It was told by many, many, many writers. You have moments of crisis in which you don't know how to get out of a certain situation. At the time, I am usually helped by swimming, either in a swimming pool or in the sea. You swim and you think. And when swimming, with your body very relaxed, you have a lot of new ideas. I always repeat, it is not the author who writes the novel. The author posits some starting points that the novel writes himself by itself. You have to follow the logic of the characters. I didn't start this story thinking of a journalist called Bragadocio. He, he arrived in the middle of the story and obliged me to follow him. I have, first of all, to create a world. I have a lot of drawings in which, for the name of the rose, I designed all the faces of the monks, which were not so useful because then I changed it. But I, I needed to have points of reference for, for, for the labyrinth of the library. I designed, I don't know, 50, 60 different labyrinths. For the island of the day before, I designed all the interior of the ship, 
very complicated with the staircase, the ladder there, the, because I, I had to know how my character could move. But when the German publisher, you know, the, the Germans are always precise, and wanted to reproduce the design on the book, I said, no, I had to know what happened. The reader has to be as confused as the character. I am a very, I am a chameleon, a chameleon, the, the animal, that, because in the name of the rose, my style was the one of the medieval chronicle. Very simple, very elementary. In the island of the before, which takes place in the Baroque era, I did my best to imitate the Baroque language, so I read many, many authors of that of the time. I paid an enormous attention not to use words that at that time were not were not used. So then after the novel I cancelled a lot of words because I realized that they were posterior. So I had to substitute them with so every story demands its its own language. I wrote a book called The Lector in Fabula about uh, narrativity in which I make an enormous radical distinction between the empirical reader and the model reader. The empirical reader is the reader which exists. And so Barbara Cartland, or I don't know, the author of pornographic novels or very elementary detection stories, looks at the at a pre-existing reader. I write for the housewife. I write for young people. I think that uh, serious authors, on the contrary, build up, construct their reader. The first of my Italian publisher that was immediately enthusiastic of the name of the Rose, he said, uh, but he said, well, the initial description of historical events are too long. They said, no, I won't to prepare the reader to face a narrative situation. So he has to make a penitence. If it is unable to do, okay, go on. That's, that's <laughs> the exact opposite of, of Dan Brown, for instance. He, he doesn't do that, uh, even though he, some people say it's the same plot more or less. Uh, Dan Brown writes for credulous uh, readers. Okay. But once I met him, one, he's one of my characters. Is one of the characters of the Foucault's Pendulum. The, the, the Brown and me, we read the same books, but he took them seriously. <laughs> On the contrary, I tried to give a grotesque representation of those stories. He took them seriously, or he didn't, but he wanted the reader took them seriously. <laughs> I don't know if Dan Brown is a believer or an atheist, but he wants to produce believing <laughs> I think that everybody writes something, hopes to become uh, Homer. But one knows that it is a, a sort of uh, imaginary projection. I can only give you a cue. When starting speaking with some friends about the fact that I had finished the novel, we said we should give it to Franco Maria Ricci, publisher, who was a very 
aristocratic uh, publisher who made a collection of books directed by Jorge Luis Borges, but few thousand copies. Okay, that's the first idea was that. So I wanted to give it to a, to a small publisher. I didn't want to give it to my normal publisher because I thought it was too easy. And he would have accepted it immediately. No, I wanted to be judged. But in the, the space of two weeks, I received two calls, one from Giulio Inaudi, the great of the publisher, another from the director of Mondadori, who said, we know we have written a novel. We take it without reading it. At that point, <laughs> I said, nothing to do. I gave it to my normal publisher, who was enthusiastic, and said, ah, we can start with 30,000 copies. You're crazy. Okay, then. So then, step by step, the 30,000 became, became the 300,000. Uh, it was gradual. So it, it gave me time to adapt myself to this situation. No, it didn't change my life in this sense, because I was living pretty comfortably even before. I wrote articles for the newspapers, had my salary as a university professor. I was not poor. And I didn't need to, 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 to buy a yacht. Uh, simply, the success reduced my freedom. Because you cannot go to the theater for the opening because uh, you are besieged. You can, uh, so I was obliged to live more privately with friends uh, and in the countryside. My Old friend uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, he wrote a lot of beautiful novels, but people asked always him for 100 years of solitude. You are condemned. Only some authors can escape uh, this curse if their best novel comes at the end. But <laughs> if one a successful novel comes at the beginning, you are condemned to speak all of your, of your life of that one. <laughs> And it's okay with you? No, because I, for instance, I think that the best novel I wrote was The Pendulum and not The Name of the Rose. That, uh, But, okay, I am, in this moment, before you arrived, I was reading a treatment uh, that uh, Italian television once made 10 episodes uh, out of The Name of the Rose. Uh, uh, you cannot escape it. No, you try to escape, but your publisher says, no, please uh, do it. Usually, uh, a book, not only a novel, is like a child. It took two years to, to grow it up, uh, to follow it. Uh, this is a case of, I am following my book. I cannot think of another, of another one. Two years, like, like a child. So after the second year, you start say, ah, and if I had to, to write another novel, and uh, the first time I said, but I think that in the name of the rose, I have put everything, uh, there's nothing else I can tell. And suddenly, I was struck by two images. One, there was the one of the pendulum that I saw at the age of 20 in Paris. And the other was the image of a boy playing the trumpet in a cemetery. 
that was an event that really happened to me. And I said, ah, the novel started with the pendulum and ending with the cemetery. Fine. What to put in between? It took me <laughs> eight years to, to discover. But at, at that moment, I realized that to write a novel meant to start from an image. In the name of the host was the image of a monk being poisoned while reading a book. For the island of the day before was to discover that there were marvelous watches with the world time and the date. And so you start from, for a poignant image. I mean, me, probably another author has another other procedure, I don't know. It's not my, 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 my problem. But for me, it happened always like that. You start from the image, and then I repeat, the novel goes by itself. If you have time, if you don't want to do it immediately. Uh, I am a devotee of the great Indian proverb, sit on the banks of the river and wait. The corpse of your enemy will pass one day or another. The computer changed a lot. I consider a computer a very spiritual uh, engine because you can write at the speed of your thought. Sometimes you need the resistance of matter. You would like to carve what you think uh, on a, a stone. And sometimes you need the pen, uh, but usually with the computer, you, you follow the speed of, our, of your thought. Then you have all the time you, you, you need to correct, to cancel, to remake, to, in this sense, uh, at least it helped me a, a lot. The Name of the Rose was not written uh, the computer because it, it didn't exist at that time. But immediately after I was helped, uh, I think, yes, a, a lot. That can increase your productivity because you are asked to write a lot of things and you recycle always the same article, changing the beginning and the end. Okay. And then it can uh, help your research, obviously. For instance, why this novel took me only one year. First, because part of the events were belonging to my personal memory. Second, because if you want uh, the, the autopsy of Mussolini, you find it immediately in internet. You have not to make remote research. Sometimes, on the contrary, you have to, to, to walk through libraries or to place, places. For me, it's very important to visit the places. When I wrote The Island of the Day Before, I spent uh, one month but in the southern uh, islands. Uh, otherwise, I couldn't have described the, the colors. Uh, uh, so visiting place, and which is a part of the research. I always say, in a novel, I have to write, uh, once arrived at the station of Lyon, he stepped down from the train to buy a newspaper. I have to know if there is a kiosk, if there is a newsstand uh, close to the train. I have to go to Lyon, even though the, the episode is not so important for, for the story. 
I, I, I have to know the number of uh, steps in a staircase in order to make my character to climb up. Being a philosopher, and there's a mutation studying so science and communication. I know how is it difficult to establish if something is true. While it's less difficult to establish that something is false. So passing to the study of fakes and, and false is easier to understand what, what can be probably true. And that's why I was always fascinated by, by those things. I am a rare books collector too. And my collection concerns only fake books, books that say the contrary. So I, I don't have Galileo Galilei, but I have Ptolemy because it was wrong about the movement of the Earth. Umberto Eco was interviewed in his apartment in Milan in 2015 by Tony Vaughan. The interview was edited by Roxanne Bergeschir and Lergesen and produced by her and Christian Lund. Original music for this podcast is made by Bob Pounding. Associate producer is Esther Kongstel. You can watch and listen to hundreds of other interviews with great writers and artists from all over the world at the Louisiana Channel. That's channel.louisiana.dk. I'm Pike Malinowski. Thanks for listening.